On The Couch with James Field and Ian Harris. It's episode 148 for the 15th of September 2010. James, welcome to The Couch. Welcome to On The Couch podcast number 148. Fantastic. Uh, I think um, Ian and James here. We're going to be talking about our usual mix of uh, uh, kind of media, technology news. Um, exactly. But we do try and sub-segregate it, don't we, Ian? To we make do, it we? informative and predictable <laughs> and Get a bit try and for half an hour, yeah. yeah. So we're going to talk about what's happening in business and technology, a bit of content delivery. Uh, mobile news, uh, including Ian's new phone, mm-hmm. and gaming, and other stuff. So, there we go. So, we've just um, been visiting that big international broadcasting conference convention thing in Amsterdam. IBC, um, yes. And our livers have respawned. Indeed. It's an exhausting few days, that's Yeah, for sure. those, those vultures do peck away at the old liver, don't they? But, um, <laughs> anywho, it was, uh, it was a good time. Um mm-hmm. So what were your kind of takeaways from that, James? Did you did you see any kind of themes or anything? Yeah, uh, very late nights. <laughs> That's definitely true. Yes, definitely uh, true. late nights. I think, I mean, th- everyone was banging on about 3D still. Mm-hmm. I did um, see some interesting um, 3D, uh, uh, so, you know, ch- um, content chain kind of stuff, you know, actually editing and right. um, mucking around with 3D content was quite interesting because you can imagine if, you, if you're editing 3D content, you need to edit it in 3D. So yeah, of with your specs on, yeah. Yeah, with your specs on. And, mm-hmm. and then you've got all these, you know, you've got to, you want to move things around in 3D space and you want to kind of edit not just one image, but two images to make the mm-hmm. 3D. So the actual editing is, uh, is a lot more Yeah, and I think there is a general theme was there it's not that easy and mm-hmm. it's easy to mess it up. We've got another story about that, I think, later on in, mm-hmm. the, in the gaming world that yep. um, you know, it's not that simple mm-hmm. to get it right. Yep. So, uh, and you can get it seriously wrong. I've, I mean, I've seen some stuff about um, in... You know, live sports and things. Mm-hmm. Uh, Sky in the UK is doing this, and they actually have to rotate the production crew every um, oh, really? every you know half hour or so uh-huh. because in live, obviously, you can't necessarily um, sculpt all your shots. And mm-hmm. so, some things. If someone is feeling sick, it's probably because mm-hmm. you know that that's the stuff that didn't go to air. <laughs> yeah, but they have to see that they have to, they have have to, to see, see it, it before yeah, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. to make that decision. So mm-hmm. uh, that, that's a tricky one. I don't know if you know the barometer needs to be there. So. <laughs> Definitely, um, which um, I guess it's a tricky one. But I think, as as a kind of industry, the broadcast industry is kind of uh, it's getting to a pretty mature stage. I would have said where uh, everyone's looking for solving those kind of corner cases and edge cases now. Like, um, mm-hmm. okay, well, I've got everything working. How can I save money from uh, the kind of supply chain that I've got, or how can I do yeah. this more and efficiently? I, I still think. I mean, there was quite a lot of international visitors as well. Mm-hmm. Um, that's more people, more people from Africa than I've ever seen before. I guess right. that's kind of waking up. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, new and countries. certainly, you know, broadcast is definitely waving, not drowning, I would say. Absolutely. Um, I mean, they were saying a few years ago that the kind of peak year for set the box is going to be 2011, but now they're pushing that back to 2014. So, you know, the, the whole broadcast, getting stuff to a box, to a television uh, concept is very much alive and well. Indeed, indeed. And I think there was the numbers were up, but you know, you can never mm. can you believe all the statistics? So it's like more <laughs> people turned up. More people registered maybe, but were they turned up or not? I don't mm. know. Um definitely looked pretty busy from, from Yeah. Uh, yeah, I think it tailed off end. towards the end as it always does. Yeah. I think it peaks on the 
Saturday, Sunday as before. Yeah. I'm always puzzled why RBC actually goes to, to the Tuesday, the fifth day. It's like, if you haven't seen everyone by then, and Tuesdays is like the day where I think all the people on the stands get to wander off and exactly. other stands. Exactly. Because <laughs> there's no one, no one <laughs> punches there. Anyway. But, um, so, and obviously everyone says to their, their partner they're going to Amsterdam for the weekend for work. Mm. It's the... Uh, that's what it all works out as. But uh, no, it was good and uh, the weather was nice as well. I did a bit of cycling actually, a bit unusual. Oh, nice work. Um, it is the city of cycling, it's fabulous. But it was the top tip of getting away from it is to, because mm-hmm. you can spend two hours trying to leave on public transport or queuing oh, for yeah. a cab. So That's uh, very clever. Getting a cycle, very mm-hmm. handy to, to nip out back to your hotel. So I'd recommend that oh, if yeah. you happen to go there, anyone. Get a bicycle, it's worth it. My first time actually in um, going to, I don't know, eight or nine IBCs. Mm-hmm. And I always thought they were nutters, the people on the bike, but it's clearly yeah, a good idea. Yeah, <laughs> and wait in that taxi queue for an hour. Yeah, just jump on your good bike, right? Get with the flavour. Anyway, <laughs> um, technology news. Mm. Now, I don't know whether this is true or not, mm-hmm. but um, apparently, so, you know, we, we talked on the podcast maybe probably a couple of years ago about someone leaking the Blu-ray master keys mm, or something yep. on the internet. Yep. Someone has allegedly, I think the, the big story was someone whacked them on dig. Right. And there was a big issue about that. Now, someone has claimed to have leaked the HDCP, which is the High Definition Content Protection Key, which mm-hmm. secures pretty much all HDMI links. Yep. Um, on a uh, which is a very exciting forty by forty matrix of fifty six bit numbers. Mm. Um, I, didn't know, I didn't know whether we'd actually see it again, so I personally sat down and memorized them all. It was really good. <laughs> but, uh, yes. I think if you read them backwards, you can. It's subliminal <laughs> messages. Subliminal messages. That's right. Um, but anyway. yeah, so. I mean, the, I the whole point about the whole HDMI connection with HTCP was the fact that it was a digital connection, but it was secured. So you could have uh, you could have high value content, but secure it over that connection, so you couldn't copy it. Yeah. Uh, so obviously, the television needs to know a or the key, and the set the box needs to know a key, and then mm-hmm. they commun- communicate securely and uh, and keep that content safe. And I think there there are some rules about whether you can whether you can store it locally or whether you can only mm. display it and you know mm. that kind of stuff. Mm. So, um, but I mean, I have heard people say that it's only a matter of time before the key gets out and, you know, and apparently it's out. So and nobody's, and nobody's going to revoke. And this is the master key. Cause I think it's a chain yeah. of keys. So, well, they could revoke everything, but then nothing would work with anything else right now. So that would be just yeah. But I mean, this bad. is one of these bizarre things. Where is anyone actually going to revoke in practice? You know, there's a consumer I mean, once, lawsuit, wouldn't there? Well, saying, exactly. Once DVDs you know, got cracked, no one was going to go right. Well, we'll have to stop all those DVD players. I mean, they didn't have a mechanism to do it back then. But yeah. even though they have a mechanism to actually revoke keys now, uh, I don't actually think. Uh, I think that it's so massive that uh, you just couldn't revoke everything. That's just not plausible. So what does it mean? Well, I think you'll see a whole bunch more HDMI adapters and uh, yeah. things floating around, probably. Um, Maybe, or content replicators. I mean, it's quite a handy, yeah. useful thing anyway. I don't know how, if that's the way that Blu-rays are going to leak out, I don't know. Yeah, um, I mean, it doesn't make copying it easy, but then, you yeah, know, at the end of the day, if you can see it on a screen, you can copy it, so. Exactly, uh, exactly. You know, kind of the weakest link in the chain and all that. Mm-hmm. That's very interesting. Uh, the, the theory, there's a couple of theories about how, how it happened or who did it. Um, and the theory is not actually that someone found it lying around on a post-it note somewhere, uh, but uh, because of the way the protocol worked, if you knew enough of the individual device's keys, for example, mm-hmm. if you were a manufacturer of televisions, right, uh, and each bottle has a different key, for example, uh, then uh, if you knew enough of those, then you could, you could kind of work it out. Yep. Yeah. Um, so the theory is that someone got enough of those you know, single-ended keys and were able to work it yeah, out. I was reading one of the... Have you heard of you know, Bruce Schneier? He does his... Um there's a, a blog, mm-hmm. he's a respected security consultant, and mm-hmm. they're 
there's a US government that put a thing out for the sh- um, SHA-3 right. uh, to replace the existing uh, algorithms and he's got one of them in there and they're talking about different attack methods which is way right. over my head I'm no cryptologist <laughs> um, but yeah there are different ways people can say oh it only takes two to the 56 thousand seconds or something to, to work it all out um, you know, obviously all very theoretical but mm. Yeah, so someone could have got it out, and obviously cryptologists enjoy this kind of challenge. Good luck to them. <laughs> Fantastic. Um, now, a bit old news, I suppose, this one, but because we did miss a podcast last week, but mm. um, in the UK, British Telecom have released uh, one of these kind of, I guess it's like uh, iPass or Boingo, but BT have got um, mm-hmm. a FON application, which uh, this is one of those things where it allows people to share their Wi-Fi connection. That's if right. you share yours, then you can use everyone else's for free, kind of mm-hmm. thing. I think that's the idea. Um, but if you download this app, then um, a charity in England, BBC Children Need, gets 50 pence. So, Very cool. Uh, but wow. only up to a maximum of £10,000, which seems a bit tight. To me, <laughs> it but, does, uh, rather, for BT. <laughs> a good, good starting point, anyway. Nice so, promotion. We're talking about it anyway. Well yeah, so if you're yeah. an iPhone or an Android user, user you can download the free app. Go to the yeah. App Store and Android Market and give it a go. Yeah, give it a try and see how that goes. I mean, I must admit, Wi-Fi roaming is, is uh, no, I guess now I've got 3G and it's kind of, it's good enough. It depends how you use them on the sort of lifestyle. I do use iPass a bit, actually. Mm-hmm. I must have bit. I, but, uh, iPass is still a great thing. If you can actually find a, a hotspot that actually supports it, it's mm. fabulously easy. It's great. Yeah, a lot of them do, but then a lot of them don't. <laughs> yes, that's true. Um, so I'm waiting for the, the day when you know, everything is so ubiquitous that it's just part of, you know, just like breathing. It's like Wi-Fi everywhere. Unless it is a bit of a pain, like, you know, going to Amsterdam, I always think, oh, maybe I should get a, a micro SIM and pop it into my iPad and mm-hmm. pay for a, you know, a gigabyte or something. But mm-hmm. the infrastructure is not there. You just can't, you know, when you arrive at an airport, you can't buy yeah. one. Which I'm still puzzled. Like, there's an absolute market for that for, for data devices, definitely. Like, grab a SIM and pop I mean, it in, where you go. And there are, in, in certainly when you leave London in the mm-hmm. duty free, you can buy a data card. Mm hmm. But it just seems, why are people not doing prepaid data cards for, you know, the gigabyte SIM? Oh, there's a market there, definitely. I mean, yeah. at the moment, all those thousands and thousands of, uh, hundreds of millions of dollars worth of revenue are going straight to the... Well, I guess it's, it's good when you can do roaming and the, you say, look, you know, let's make it difficult for your guys when they come here and I'll make it difficult yeah, for your guys uh, when you come here and we'll all make lots of money. Yes. Ah, you know. And they do, they make tons of money. I mean, imagine charging one cent per bite. That's insane. Yeah, it's nuts. Uh, um, anyway. Anyway, frustration. Uh, meanwhile, back in our homes, mm. um, we can, uh, I don't know, is this a new story or an old story? This is talking about Super power line AV. Have you got any power line AV? Are you thinking of getting any of that? Or are you going to go well, Wi-Fi? Yeah, I've, I've just got uh, just got cable connected with my fabulous 30 megabit connection. Oh, nice. Is it for real? Uh, it's for real. Uh, but the difficulty is that uh, the connection, uh, the wireless connection is 54 megabits at 802.11G, which although it's theoretically 54, it actually only gives you about 20 in real life. So in fact, my Wi-Fi connection is not fast enough for my internet connection. So what am I going to do about this, James? That is the problem. Mm, go power line. I mean, actually, one of the things we found in our uh, our activities at uh, in Amsterdam is everybody mm. at IBC, everyone had Wi-Fi. And in fact, a lot yeah. of devices were overwhelmed because there were just yeah, so many totally. networks. Yeah. And at the end of the day, you're just sharing a pretty narrow slice of bandwidth. Mm. Mm. And if you live in an apartment and everyone else has got Wi-Fi... Exactly. Your actual and that's the usable. problem in my area. There's, there's a whole bunch of apartments and they've all got Wi-Fi. And so, and for, for whatever bizarre reason, they all seem to share the one channel. 
I spent a good amount of time last night reconfiguring the router to, to use some other channel that wasn't being absolutely yeah. swamped. I think the channels are pretty much sub-channels anyway, aren't they? So yeah, but it's, uh, it's, it's you can get a little bit away. Also, mm. this is uh, Netgear there. They've got um, some home theater kits and 500 megabit power line adapters. Now, the link we've got here is a story about them saying, yeah, yeah, it's coming. Um, and in fact, uh, it gives a bit more information, but... Uh, They've actually been released now, so you can actually buy them. And yeah, I mean, I, I think I was an early adopter, as you might expect, um, yeah. and they were a bit pricey. So, um, yeah. and I just went for some proprietary stuff because I just needed a single link. But I think yeah, it's probably about time to go for the full Monty because mm. um, I think mine were actually uh, thanks to a switch mode. They weren't very uh, immune to interference from a switch mode mm. power supply in my Apple <laughs> Time port, actually. So that was a bit go. of an issue. Um, so nice. yeah, I, I'd go for wired over wireless anytime mm. if you mm. can. Well, basically. if it's 500 meg and you can get at least 200 meg out of it, then you know that's that's it's good great. enough for yeah. anybody. And right? it just saves you just saves you having to rewire your house with uh, with Cat6 to yeah. getting decent rates out of it. It does worry me slightly, you know, again in the apartments now. Once everybody's got them, what happens then? Well, but exactly. And you need then you need filters on the uh, on the other end. Yeah. I mean, right, right now, if you if you have networking adapters in your place, then you will be able to see data uh, or have the interference from someone else's data in in the same sort of uh, apartment building. Yeah, maybe I don't know. There must be some time thing about pairing, or how do you get them? Yeah, they they do pair the uh, to your network, and they are a lot of them are encrypted. I expect these are as well. So you won't yeah. probably you won't probably won't see the data, but you'll see the mess of you know trying to compete on yeah. on the wire. Well, I'm sure you could sniff it out if you were desperate. Anyway. <laughs> So there we go. Um, meanwhile, uh, also as well as IBC, there's been uh, IFA as well. Mm-hmm. And I saw that uh, mm. CEO of Google, Eric Schmidt, had yep. um, done a big, uh, it was a bit controversial really, saying that everyone will be leaning forwards and be so busy on TV. They well, won't that have is controversial because, you know, our, our industry position has always been... Lean uh, back. Yeah, lean back. The, the yeah. land room is for relaxing and, and consuming content as opposed to actively pursuing content. Yeah, and certainly things like you know interactive TV arguably hasn't done very well because people just don't interact. Mm, they want to be thrown, have thrown stuff thrown yeah, at them, not yeah. uh, actually engage guess, in I mean, the content. The challenge, I mean, good scheduled TV gives you what you want when you want it. Exactly. Without having to find it. So mm-hmm. uh, is Google TV going to be the answer? We will see. We'll see. Well, James, as, as you know, because um, of my new situation in respect to getting television, I'm up for the challenge of trying to see what television I can consume without actually going for a standard uh, cable or satellite connection. So so you've only, from your cable provider, you've just taken broadband. Just taken broadband. So the, the challenge is, can and I get... And they let you do that? They don't give you free video? Yeah, no, they, they make it... It costs more, of course. Um, if you take the bundle, then it, the bundle costs less, but whatever. Mm-hmm. So for, I think it's about 42 euros a month, I've got uh, 30 megabit connection. So what TV can I get in a decent sense... Uh, off that connection so I'm going to get myself an Apple TV uh-huh. uh, and a boxy box which is now uh-huh. coming yeah uh, which is going to be based on the Intel processor I think yeah just, so it'll be interesting out. see what the experience so that's an Intel like. um, C4100 I think isn't it so nice um, uh, and see what can I get that's kind of similar to a uh, a traditional cable or satellite operator actually working in the home so that'll, that's the challenge yeah I think I'm not, will any of those give you streaming video as yeah. in live stuff. I mean, you'll have to go for something like Justin TV or Catch Up TV, I suppose, to see exactly. if they Exactly. I, I think that, that's going to be the struggle. Or Fetch TV, I guess. Fetch TV. Isn't Fetch yeah. TV one of those as well? Um, yeah. Maybe I might need to get to Slingbox and Sling something or get yourself set up as a, or a little proxy. You need to mm. get yourself a little mm. proxy action, yeah. allegedly. Um, 
Okay, so obviously the, the fists are out. I think the uh, fists are or the gloves are off, not the fists are out. What am I saying? Um, <laughs> so Google, Google versus Apple. Or is it just two hobbyists? Google versus Apple. Boxy, I don't think Boxy is going to be a big player in that space. Although, you know, the interface, I've downloaded the PC app. The interface is very nice. Um, yeah, they're a bit late content. though, aren't they? I mean, they did announce the Boxy Box some time ago and yeah, I think their the, thunder's they, been stolen yeah, and exactly. as far as brand recognition goes, yep. they ain't nowhere. They ain't nowhere. So good luck, guys. But uh, mm. I think... Um, well, it's they're definitely behind behind in that race, so exactly. we'll see. Exactly, Mondo. Um, now, I can't remember what Derby Vision was. Can you? Uh, no, I was going to ask you about it because it was your story, and I looked at the video, and there's one there's a video one on top of another, and one of them looks better than the other, but I don't understand why or what it's all about. So. <laughs> <laughs> well, um, perhaps you can tell us a little bit about the new uh, HTC phones. Mm-hmm. And I'll look up Derby Vision to see what it is. Good plan. Because we're so professional in this podcast. <laughs> well, it's such breaking news that we're having to research it as we go. Uh, so HTC, who are kind of a competitor of Apple, I guess you'd say, Apple and, and Nokia, in respect to smartphones, uh, a lot of their stuff is a bit, it's quite, uh, it's got a very passionate user base. Uh, and a lot of people that have their devices really love them, uh, but they're never kind of as mainstream as the kind of Apple products. Oh, yeah. so they've just had a press conference uh, in London, in fact, and uh, unveiled a new Sense experience. Uh, with and this is running on Android, right? So it's, it's yep, these are is, this, uh, is it Fro- Froyo or is it Gingerbread or something? There's some. Uh, I think it's some crazy name like that. Yep. Yeah, uh, um, so we've got the CEO, Peter Chu. Mm-hmm. Our customers will value the holistic approach we're taking to enhance their mobile experience. Customer first philosophy has blah, 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 blah. Um, but basically, they're trying to take a step ahead um, of the Apple uh, phones. Beat them at the, their own game. Yeah, and the, the, the idea there that the, apparently the displays are quite stunning. They don't have the, the resolution of the, uh, of the Apple display, but the actual uh, blackness and um, the quality of the displays. There's none more black, stunning. as they would say. Yep. Yeah. And, uh, you know, same sort of stuff, 4.3-inch LCD display. Uh, it's got one gigahertz processor in it. It's got can do seventy p video. Qualcomm Snapdragon processor. What? So exciting. What can't this thing do? That's pretty. It also easy. includes the new HTC Fast Boot, enabling people to quickly make a call. <laughs> so, that's always handy if you've got a mobile phone. I mean, that phone, sounds to me. I mean, that sounds like. <laughs> why would you have to fast boot it? Surely you never. You only boot it up once, and well, then the rest true. of the time. It's true. I'm a bit puzzled mm. about it. Hmm, um, interesting. So it'll be good to see how they go. I'm so sure processor. So we'll see how that goes. I mean, it's, I'm sure it's a really cool looking phone. Um, yeah, the new Nokia ones coming out are pretty pretty hmm, neat as well. But you didn't choose that. Now, in the meantime, I found out what Derby Vision is. Yeah, go on then. Derby Vision is. It's kind of a. They're, they're trying to market themselves a bit like a Dolby kind of thing and mm-hmm. saying that they can make pictures look better. Okay. Um, by. It's like a licensed technology, but it seems to just almost like a filter on live video, quite right. how it works. I mean, it's almost like an edge sharpening or something like that. I'm sure it's all super proprietary, but I'm not convinced. Um, well, the, the actual videos do look sharper and, and have more detail in them, and they're yeah. obviously the same videos, so whatever they did, it's pretty cool. I guess it's some kind of image enhancement based on pre and post and all this kind mm-hmm. of stuff, but it looks good. Whether anyone will actually pay for it, I don't know. Mm. Um, maybe they're saying that in the absence of... You know, a lot of 3D stuff you're buying, a, if you're putting out other services on 3D, you can mm-hmm. make them look better. It, it does give you a sense of depth in a way. Yeah, it does. More of it seems um, uh, not just in focus. Yeah, but have a look in the show notes, details. everyone, yeah. and you can have a look. I mean, it's 
I think the jury's out really, but it doesn't, it's like some guy with a great idea and a, a magic algorithm, but uh, I'm not sure he's going to be a millionaire. You never know. So yeah. I've been experimenting, speaking of magic algorithms, I've been experimenting with the, uh, the HDR photos oh, yeah. on the new iPhone. Oh yeah, your new phone, as we're in the mobile section. So yeah, um, uh, new phone to play with. And it's very interesting. So it actually takes three shots. Yeah, uh, lower, normal, and higher exposure because even the uh, the sensors so in camera, basically. Yeah, I think that, yeah. uh, can't can't handle the, the the range of darks darks versus lights within mm-hmm. any one photo, and then blends it together to give. Um, uh, so it means that all the bits that are normally lit up look fine, and all the bits that are a bit darker have more detail in them as well. So uh, it's actually it does actually improve a lot of photos, uh, but it's better when you're taking things that are. Uh, still rather than moving around because obviously if you have to take three frames <laughs> then it's going to look rubbish so you, you've, you know, you've got your new iPhone 4 are you chuffed by it is it yeah the display is absolutely stunning and you look at mm. it and go yeah it's like it's like looking at printed paper it's that you just you really just can't see any pixels at all it looks mm-hmm. great um, and it performs well it's much it's actually much faster than the previous iPhone I had which uh-huh. is the 3GS and uh, got all the that, folders all and all the bits and pieces and the useful stuff Good. Takes video, yeah. uh, takes HD video. But to be honest, I took some video holding it in my hand, which, of course, you have to, mm-hmm. and it's too shaky to actually watch. Like, it's what, what were you doing? I was standing watching a demonstration and taking taking a video. Okay. And uh, it's just too shaky when you put it on a screen and you look at it. It's like, oh my god, I'm gonna, f- um, I'm, I've got motion sickness. It's terrible. Really? Well, you just got uh, shaky hands. Yeah, well, <laughs> that could be it too. But uh, mm. you don't realize how much the uh, the modern Proper video cameras actually do shake reduction as part yeah. of what they do. I did see a, um, like a Steadicam thing for an iPhone, but it involves nice. a dangling a bag of sugar below the, the phone. <laughs> <laughs> it's kind of like Steadicams rely on large amounts of inertia. So yes. That's the, uh, the tricky thing. But you're good here. You're happy with that. Any, what's your top app that you've downloaded? Uh, well, uh, Andy, because of your you know enthusiasm, James, I had downloaded Plants vs. Zombies, so that was a... Mm-hmm. Um, I th- actually started playing that and thought, this is rubbish. What a stupid little game. And two hours later, I was like... That's a stupid little game, but I'm still playing it. <laughs> <laughs> I've just got to get one more yeah, play, right. one more level. I wonder what the next one is. Ooh. Yeah, very good. Um, Angry Birds will be next. Don't worry. Oh, I'm sure you're right. Um, so uh, on a, onto gaming, uh, yes. James. Interesting article here, article here you've got on uh, actually developing games for mm. 3D. Um, just before we get to that kind of point, I, I watched uh, a 3D movie last night called. Um, Resident Evil um, oh, nice. Afterlife, I think it was. Afterlife. Well, in the cinema? Yep. In the movie theatre? In the movie theatre. And it's true that I think we're kind of in an evolutionary process with 3D content. Um, so some of the some of the 3D scenes were fabulously depthful, um, mm-hmm. you know, when they're throwing things around and big stuff. And it wasn't a case of actually things coming out of the screen, but more like yeah. that you forgot that you were watching a flat screen. And, right. uh, because the depth perception was all the way through, so it was obviously taken with 3D cameras. Uh, and so you forgot that you're actually watching a flat screen and you were uh, definitely more immersed in it, I would, mm-hmm. I would argue. The, the film itself has no plot line whatsoever and is entirely <laughs> stupid. And, but I knew that to start with, like this is a kind of, you know, this was a scientific experiment in oh, yeah, yeah, understanding right. the 3D. Because <laughs> it does have a few scary bits, that's so cool. But, yeah. uh, but so I think... No one tapped uh, you on the shoulder halfway through and oh, made geez, you scream. Someone jumped, that would be be terrible but uh i think the the process that we're going through so with learning how you know what things work in 3d and what don't uh, i think mm-hmm. is an interesting journey so i think we'll i think we'll get better and better at it 
So this is um, about the making of Killzone Three. Is that right? The uh, yeah, by Guerrilla Games. Game. This is mm-hmm. which is a kind of um, it's kind of like a post-apocalyptic kind of thing, battle, and there's aliens and stuff. Yeah, okay, right. Um, so it's human. There's like guys. So they're kind of. I think they're modelled on Nazis with glowing eyes and this kind of stuff. Um, <laughs> and they. Uh, Know, what floats and what doesn't so do mm. your you know your crosshairs your aiming points mm-hmm. which are obviously artificial constructs or you know, mm-hmm. when people when you shoot people but very the, important in a kind of you know first person shooter gaming exactly um, um but yeah where do you put these things how do you and yeah, the heads up displays and menus it's similar for tv mm. when you've got sort of stats mm. on screen or channel logos whereabouts in depth do they actually go mm. um and you know, it's a tricky one. <laughs> the very question is the player's own blood spatter. <laughs> blood spatter often appears at the edges of a screen to let a player know their character is taking damage and losing health. Mm-hmm. In a standard first-person shooter, the blood just sort of sits there on the surface without anything else. But if you're looking at the world in 3D, it doesn't quite look right to have blood floating there amongst the scenery. <laughs> I'd say that's probably true. So yeah, it's always good. To have, it's always bad to have blood floating around. Yeah, I guess so you're in a, space and it's an okay. interesting thing. It just, but how many mm. people? I guess it does make sense to sit there at home and, and play in 3D. But um, I think that'd be fantastic. I I think actually 3D gaming is going to be fantastic. I, think I have seen some 3D movies, some, okay, but 3D yeah. gaming that's that's awesome. But that's even harder from a game designer perspective because you've then got to make sure you don't make people barf. It's like well, that's true. I think you're going to need some cutscenes and some you know bits in between yeah. that are not in 3D uh, in order to uh, kind of compensate for that. And you can see that in movies as well because I was kind of checking which bits were actually in 3D and which, mm. which bits weren't. And there were actually entire scenes that were set, that were set in 2D. Um, it's a kind of gratuitous horror film, I'm thinking, which just, they say, oh, we'll do this one in 3D, it'll be epic, you know. <laughs> and it was. Body parts flying out of the screen. <laughs> well, it's very true. But but in order to, to give strength to the 3D parts to it, they did have 2D parts as well in right. order to make it not seem like... Uh, and also maybe probably, to give your eyes a rest as well. Yeah, maybe. exactly, to, to kind of mm. relax people a bit and make them not feel like they're, you know, the whole buffometer factor. Yeah, yeah. Mm. Mm. So, and it's not tempting you to get a flat screen then? Oh, yeah, I'm definitely going to have to have one of those, but I don't... I still can't get over the cost of 3D screens. It's yeah. like you can pick up a really fabulous 2D screen at, you know, 10... 1080p resolution for five six hundred euros, whereas yeah, and it's three times as much for 3D. Well, that oh, makes sense, easy. doesn't it? <laughs> <laughs> 1D and 3D. Uh, no, it's, the it's, it's, it's the name, two thousand euros. It's outrageous. Yeah, outrageous. but that's a what for a forty-six inch or something like that. Yeah, they're about yeah. forty forty-two inch. Well, if you buy so, one, the price will go down. Well, that's true. Yeah. The more you buy, the more someone else gets it cheaper. Exactly. Yep. Anyway, so do um, send us your feedback if mm. you think we've talked about anything that you know more about, which is probably true. Um, feedback at and if you like Derby Vision, yeah, feedback at onthecouchpodcast.com. Yeah, if you like Derby Vision or uh, you've had some experience in 3D gaming or 3D films, you've got a view on that, then uh, yeah. do send us a note. We'd love to hear from you. And uh, as ever, we will look forward to speaking to you in the next episode of On The Couch Podcast with me, James. And me, Ian. Goodbye from me. And goodbye from me and bye. This episode of On The Couch Podcast is brought to you by EmbeddedAdventures.com, your source for embedded kits and things to play with. 